Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.33 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott, Cody Jansen with you today on Oilers Now. Bob back tomorrow. Some guests of the show received gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris open for takeout and delivery. And hey, you can dine in now, by the way, as well. Maggie Taylor and Chef Altoff, happy to see you. They'll take care of you at Roos Chris. Uh, they are open Wednesday to Sunday, 5 until 10. All right, uh, plenty of conversation coming in. 780-496-0063 on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Just with respect to what the narrative that continues to weave itself through the playoffs has been, and that is the NHL officiating. So uh, we try not to spend too, too much time on it, but we better touch on it with our NHL insider, John Shannon, whose appearances are brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Pay no overtime rates on their 24-7 service repairs. That's how you build a Legacy, legacy, heating and cooling. John, it's Brendan here. How's it going today? Good, Brendan. How are you? Not too bad at all. We've been talking for the first half hour of the show, obviously, about the weekend's headlines. And, you know, what's presented itself again, I I see Bob put the tweet out about 15 hours ago now, uh, the officiating standard. There seems to be a lot of confusion. And what's caught my eye, John, is the sort of outspokenness, especially last night, uh, live on the broadcast by Craig Simpson and then some analysis provided later on by Dave Poulin. You know, you've got a lot of former players right now that are starting to speak about you know their feelings uh, as the way that things have gone officiating wise in the playoffs and it it isn't necessarily that they're directly affecting the game but there seems to be a very blurred line as to game management what should be called what isn't a call you know what did you make of of the game last night and maybe even in specific the uh, the end of the second period between Montreal and Vegas well I I tell you what Brendan I, I really think the whole question started to fester uh, in Game 3 when they missed the Corey Perry high stick. Right. Uh, I think that's really what put everybody on edge. Uh, and quite frankly, I, I think from that point on, everybody was looking for something that would either um, uh, try to reinforce that there's an issue or try to dispel that there was an issue. And obviously with Chris Lee and what he saw, and, and we saw it through isolated cameras uh, late in the second period, um, that people thought that there should have been penalties at that point, and I would assume that Chris saw it, saw the punch, and said, "No, no, everything's fine, and and just keep on playing." So uh, it is game management. It, it doesn't have to be liked as long as I don't think we heard. Uh, I mean, we heard. I think we heard people complain about the Perry high stick, 
But I don't think we heard very much complaining between the two teams uh, of what the standard is. Now, that said, what I did I think there was a penalty on that play? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, there was a penalty on that play. Uh, and, but at a certain point when the referees are managing as opposed to calling right out of the rule book, then you have to you have to take the good with the bad. And I don't think either Vegas nor Montreal at the end of the night was complaining too much about the officiating. All right, and in a 2-1 hockey game, again, I say it's kind of hard for the officiating, I think, to, to have really directly dictated that outcome. Robin Leonard did plenty of his own work to keep Vegas uh, in that game, and then they were able to strike again in overtime. But, you know, I wonder how much uh, attention, how much more attention was brought to this particular issue, as a, a texture brought up earlier, John. Uh, when we heard Tim Peel actually managing the game in real time with that hot mic, I wonder whether that kind of confirmed what people's suspicions were and maybe is given more um, of a green light for some to go harder on on what they are now seeing in replays and that sort of thing perhaps uh, you know that's a really good point you know and and I, I think those of us that have been around the game a long time have always believed that the officials manage the game uh, and and it wasn't necessarily calling it out of the out of the rule book the way it, it, people expect it to be black or white um, and, and really the other bump in the road in the last 20 years, Brendan, was when we went from the one-man system where you could actually literally have one person arbitrate a game and set the standard uh, when we went to two men. And then, therefore, it became a, you know, the, the opinion of two people trying to manage a game. And obviously there are some nights that one referee disagreed with the other guy, <laughs> and that became an issue. Um, you know, there's, there's now a whole generation of, uh, of hockey fans in our country that have never seen a one-man referee system. And so from that perspective, you, you, you say this, this, this really is nothing new. I'm not sitting here and justifying it. That's that is the reality of what the NHL has wanted. They've always said that they wanted a tougher level of hockey, a much more intense level of hockey in the playoffs. Uh, we have seen that through the first two and a half rounds of playoffs so far, and you know they talk about regular season officiating and playoff officiating. Officiating, and quite frankly, it's what the general managers sit down in March every year and talk about, saying that they want the standard. Uh, kept at a certain level for playoffs, so it, it, it's 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 an ancillary symptom of what the actual people who are working in the game want. Chatting with our NHL insider John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling, and it's an interesting point you just raised there, John, because I was sort of spitballing whether are we at a point where we need some sort of officiating summit, but. If you're saying that that's something that gets brought up on an annual basis amongst the GMs, amongst the people whom it would need to be brought up with, of course, then maybe it's just something that's kind of always been there coming and going with the news cycle. Ebbs and flows. Yeah. Absolutely right. Ebbs and flows. I mean, the managers talk about officiating at every meeting. Every meeting. Are we too stringent? Are we too easy? Uh, between what Colin Campbell and his group have to do, go through, Stephen Wacom and his group have to go through, George Peros and his group have to go through, the managers get to air their opinions. Uh, and in the end, it becomes what the majority of those people think is, is best for the game. Um, and and here, here's the other thing that I think we have to put in perspective, Brendan. When you win the game 3-1, to one, 
and you even if they even if the, you think that the, your team has been treated poorly by the officials, you don't complain. You're happy. But if you lose three to one and you've been mistreated, then it becomes an issue. Uh, and and quite frankly, remember this is this is these are men playing boys' games, uh, and you know people get emotional, people get mad, people get upset when they don't win, and there's always something to pick on, and it's always easy to pick on the referees. It really is. It's always easy to pick on the referees, and in the last few years, the, the league has really tried to find a way to adapt and and change things, uh, whether it be with video review. Uh, both in the crease and at the blue line, to try to make it as close to 100% as possible without human error. But human error will still play a part in all of this at a certain point. There's no fix in. There's nobody sitting there saying we got to make sure that Montreal wins or we got to make sure Vegas wins. It's human error. And sometimes we have to live with, live with the judgments of humans when they officiate hockey games. And what a better, better example than the Euro Championship right now, the game of football being uh, you know, integrated with VAR, the video assistant referee. That has not been a popular implementation over the last while. So it's not just hockey that might be suffering from the fact that fans can go back and sort of dissect the job of the official and that sort of thing. Um, so, actually, let me, uh, sure? let, me put, let me put something else in perspective um the the orders stanley cup first championship 1984 um i produced that series the games at the coliseum we had seven cameras seven cameras for the whole game seven cameras to cover every inch of that ice surface no matter where the puck was but i can guarantee you last night at the bell center in montreal there were 25 cameras yeah it wasn't the stanley cup final Everything that Suzuki went through uh, with Petrangelo and uh, and whoever else was there was at the other end of the ice away from the puck. And so all of a sudden, everything gets seen. Uh, everything gets managed. Everything gets amplified. And then you combine that with what we, what the fact that you and I can now have a voice during the game on social media, that things get amplified tremendously more. A lot more, uh, and to the point where it becomes it becomes a storyline, uh, and and rightly or wrongly, I mean that's I'm, I'm not taking a side. That's just factual, a factual truth about what we lived in the 2021 season. Hard to believe that, like three times, and it seems like everything's got an ISO cam on it in well, the modern and, and, hockey. I mean, they sh- and it should. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the magic of technology, is is the ability to record so many different angles and so many different uh, so many different uh, players away from the puck. Good television hockey shows you what's happening away from the puck. And so when the guys at Hockey Night in Canada did what they did last night, they're doing their jobs to the utmost and doing a great job of it. John Shannon is our NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling. And talk about things sort of uh, materializing into a storyline, John. The late decision for Rob, well, the late announcement, I'm sure the decision was made a lot earlier, but Robin Leonard gets the start uh, last night for Vegas on the road and ultimately has a stellar first period, sort of keeping things in check for Vegas while they got their feet under them and then mounted the comeback victory. Did you, uh, what did you make of the decision and, and uh, Peter DeBoer having it pay off? I had a sneaking suspicion after the game 
that he was thinking of going to Leonard. Uh, I just I said it to a couple of people. I said I wouldn't be surprised that if we start hearing rumblings that Robin Leonard's going to play. Um, it, it's it's one of those things that Pete, Pete DeBoer has always been a believer in the bigger goaltender. Uh, he he was the one who was adamant uh, to management in Vegas to to acquire Leonard. Uh, you remember in Edmonton last year the controversy between Flurry and Leonard and and Alan Walsh, uh, Flurry's agent, with the famous uh, tweet <laughs> with the the sword through the back. Yeah. Um, that's because DeBoer has always wanted Robin Leonard to be the number one goalie. It was very difficult to go away from Flurry this season. A Leonard started the season on the injured reserve and and never really got into a good rhythm all season long. Uh, and then Flurry was spectacular in the playoffs, and Leonard only played the one game that game one against Colorado and wasn't any good. So from from that perspective, DeBoer had no choice. The bad play by Flurry at the end of the third period in Game Three gave DeBoer that little crack in the in the foundation to make the change. Uh, you could hear it in his voice in the post game press conference when he thought that the uh, that the play by Flurry and the two two goal by Josh Anderson had a residual effect throughout the overtime on his team. You knew something was coming. And something was fermenting in his mind that maybe he had to make a change. And here we are, 72 hours later, he made the change, and Robin Leonard proved him right. You know, I could Flurry have played the same way? Sure. But Leonard got the chance, made some really good saves, uh, and obviously, I mean, I, I assume it's Leonard's net now until further notice. Well, and that had to be the next question. It, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what they do there. But you're right. That, to me, is is the, I guess, part of the conflict in t- t- making the decision to change goalies. Okay, so let me throw this at you, Brendan. You're, yep. you're Pete DeBoer. Uh, game five tomorrow night in Vegas. Montreal wins in overtime. Leonard's good. But Montreal wins in overtime. Game six is back in Montreal on Thursday night. Who do you start? I mean, if but, Vegas wins tomorrow and Leonard's in goal, it's an easy. It's Leonard's until he loses. Yeah. But tomorrow night he plays well but loses. What do you do Thursday night in a, in a potentially deciding game? And now you've had Flurry sitting for two games. And while it seems like neither one of them minds taking that backup role, you'd prefer to have a guy fresh, I would think. So well, I guess I, mean, that... I, I don't think, I mean, I think uh, Mark Andre, you know, the amount of hockey he's played in the last month or so, uh, having an extra two days off wouldn't be a problem. I think it's more of the psychological style of who's my number one goaltender. And, and uh, I mean, goalie controversies are, are, are not necessarily. Um, are, are usually just in the public, but is this one between not not between the goaltenders personally, but the mindset of the two goaltenders of who's going to be there? I mean, I in, in my belief, I think Robin Leonard will be the goaltender of record for the next five years in Vegas. Well, they got him under a contract. Yeah, he's going to be the goaltender of record. Uh, Mark Mark Andre Fleury came with the franchise when DeBoer showed up. He inherited him, and he's trying to manage it and try to getting through to having Leonard as number one guy. I don't think there's any question about that. Flurry has just played so well, except for the bad play in game three. 
If you're Flurry, are you are you a little bit put off by the fact that it only took a mistake, you know, for a guy to say, well, you're looking a little fatigued and you made that mistake, so here comes the switch? Or is that just part of, of modern hockey when the expectation is that you have two quality goaltenders that can go on any night? It is a business, you know, but at the same time, it's it still becomes emotional. It still becomes relationships. And, and you have to ask the question, has, has Vegas manage the flurry relationship very well even since the famous alan walsh tweet uh, you know flurry mark andre flurry has given this organization no reason to make a change at all regular season or playoffs until the other night uh and you know he made one mistake and they're going to do this now after being a Vezina trophy finalist after you know doing what he did in the Minnesota series and what he did in the Colorado series, and and there and you're you're not giving him the benefit of the doubt for for one bad play, that to me is, there, there's a little bit of a, an odor to that one, Brendan. Let me ask you this: If Carey Price made one bad move, would we see Jake Allen? <laughs> and if, if if Andre Vasilevsky made one move, would we see uh, you know uh, uh, what's his name? What was that, Curtis McElhinney? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, would you know if well? Actually, if Simeon Varlov made one, we might see Sorokin. They're pretty good. <laughs> they're they're a one-two combination there. But that to me is that that that's part and parcel of all of this is how you manage Flurry, who basically has become since since the expansion draft four years ago the face of the franchise. 12.50, we're chatting with uh, NHL insider John Shannon right now. Uh, Luke Richardson, Alex Burrows, they seem just fine behind the bench, obviously, in Dominique Ducharme's absence right now. With an open line of communication, I mean, uh, how much, in your opinion, are they managing the game on the fly from a coaching perspective, and how much of the pre-planning and stuff is still being done, do you think, by Ducharme? I, I think that Ducharme has always created consensus amongst his coaching staff. Um, and, let, and let's face it, um, be, be, while Dom was still behind the bench, Luke was changing the defense and Alex was changing the forwards. So from, from and, and Alex Burrow's influence on this team when he came on board the same time Ducharme did, Alex Burrow's has had a, a really positive influence on the forwards. Uh, what's changed now is that Richardson takes a step back, Sean Burke changes the defense, but I'll tell you what, it's easy. I mean, you and I could change the defense when you, when you see that, you know, it's either going to be Shea Weber or, or Ben Sherratt or Jeff Petrie yeah. or, or, or Edmondson. You know, that's a pretty easy thing to do. Um, but I, I, I think that they, they are just in such a rhythm right now uh, that – and Richardson has become such a calming influence. I think that it's, it's worked out – to the benefit of, of, of all groups, all of them involved, including Dom, who still feels that he's involved, who still feels he's committed and, and contributing to what they're doing. Um, and, I mean, Luke Richardson, who was a head coach in the American League and deserves a ton of credit for what he's done with that, uh, uh, that blue line core in Montreal for the last four years, uh, I, I think that this is just more of the same for, right from the beginning of, of, uh, of the protocol for, for Dom. We'll get one last thought from you here, John. Uh, just on the passing of Tom Curvers, a former Hab, a former Leafs defenseman, uh, a former Wild assistant general manager as well, uh, passing at 58 years old. Played in the NHL between 84 and 95. What can you tell me about him as a player? 
Well, if memory serves me, Tom Curveridge was the Maple Leaf that they acquired and didn't and for the in Scott rather than Scott Niedermeyer being drafted as a Maple Leaf. That was always the that was always Tom's. Tom used to chuckle about that when you <laughs> when you talk to him about certain things. Um, Curvers was a, a much better hockey player than he got given credit for, and his management skills and his scouting ability was second to none. Um, you know, he was always one of those faces around an arena when you'd go into the press box, you'd meet him in the elevator. He always had a kind word. He was a lifer like the like the rest of us, and loved the game and loved contributing, particularly in the state of Minnesota, where he was a you know he was a Mr. Hockey. Uh, played there, co- played college hockey there. Loved being part of the Minnesota hockey world. Uh, it, it's a sad day, you know. These guys that uh, unfortunately Tom's been fighting the fight against cancer for, gosh, I was going to say five or six years now. Uh, it's it's just a shame that, to see somebody who uh, has contributed to so many people succeeding in the NHL doesn't get a chance to enjoy it for another day. Well, I appreciate you reflecting back, John, on uh, somebody who I was not super familiar with, but uh, always appreciate your insights. You well, know, there's a ton of people in our game that don't get credit for being leaders and and reinforcing exactly what what's good for the game, and Tom Curvers was one of those guys. Great stuff, John. We'll chat on Wednesday, okay? Cheers. Thank you. That is uh, John Shannon, our NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling. We'll press pause here again on Oilers Now. Brendan Escott, Cody Jansen with you. 12.54 in Edmonton. 12.55 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott here. Uh, you're a golfer? You're looking for a great VIP golf trip, perhaps? You can join New West Travel on a four-day golf getaway in the spectacular mountains at Whistler, B.C. Package includes airfare and a private WestJet charter, complimentary open bar and meals, three nights in a deluxe suite hotel, four rounds of five-star golfing in the coastal mountains, and a New West Travel golf tournament with some prizes as well. If you're a transfer, you can book now and get a free upgrade to a one-bedroom suite. Uh, to book your tea time, call New West Travel or go online to newwesttravel.com. We'll check in with Reed Wilkins after the 1 o'clock news. Thoughts on officiating Oilers and, well, what's going on in Oilers town? They're probably trying to uh, get Adam Larson re-signed. I would imagine that's next on the docket here. Have not heard uh, any update on that. Bob might have something tomorrow when he comes back from a uh, little vacation that he's been on here. But... um, Some thoughts from you on the text line. Mike says, as a fan of hockey, I don't care what the GMs want when they have their meetings and talk officiating. I want it to be called by the book. We as fans drive the revenue. Let the stars play. Call it the same. Uh, It can be tough hockey without the cross checks and dirty hits. They will lose fans if they continue down this path. Well, if I'm to believe some of the stuff that I'm reading on the text line today, some fans are already losing interest at a rapidly declining rate as a result of, well, I would call it frustration with the inconsistency. Do you think they would lose more fans if we saw 25 to 30 penalties a game? if it's called exactly by the book. And I'm not saying just double IHF style because double IHF, if you ever watched a metal game, they're still letting things slide. So if you want it by the book, I think you got to be prepared for a special team showcase. I can remember watching double IHF hockey in like the mid 2000s. And it was a very different brand of officiating even then at that point. Now, 
we should probably keep it in the context of modern hockey because so much has changed even in that time frame and we're talking speed and we're talking multiple officials and we're talking multiple camera angles and we're talking instant feedback flippant feedback on social media which is always healthy right it, it just is a different time altogether now but as I was saying with John, like, is it something that's just cyclical and we talk about it come May or June every year because it's a real stark contrast to what we've seen from October until April? I think a big thing that John brought up that really makes sense is, is it the fans driving this conversation or is it the teams? Yes, there's been coaches in the playoffs who have had issues with the refs, but in this Vegas-Montreal series, Mm -hmm. I don't think we've heard the coaches or the stars really be too upset about it. I think that they're fine with letting it play. Now you got to factor in, you do have your Petrangelos, your Webbers, your Corey Perrys who play that traditional old school brand of hockey. So yeah, you got to weigh that one out. And watching how Corey Perry has produced in this playoffs at the age that he is playing with who he's playing with in Montreal, obviously that still gets it done. You know, obviously that's there. It's just not something that you see as a common trait in a lot of the new era of hockey players. So do we get to a a spot where, because, you know, how impactful is Tom Wilson if there's 13 other Tom Wilsons in the Eastern Conference? Not as impactful as we talk about today. So if there's fewer and fewer of the Corey Perry types come playoff time in, in the league in general, because it's just being officiated differently. It's, you know, the the punching and the whacking and that sort of stuff, the in behind the play stuff does get called and you can just be a skilled player going out there doing your thing. We're not even producing Corey Perry's or Tom Wilson's uh, in modern hockey, really. Anyway, up against the clock here. We'll send it off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. We'll see if Wilkie, Reed Wilkins, has anything to say, the host of Inside Sports, when we come back on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.